From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, laugh together, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here's your host, Eric Wakeling. All right, welcome to the Calvary Life Podcast. Eric Wakeling here with you and excited to introduce you to Robin Geis. How are you doing, Robin? I'm really good. Awesome. Hi, it's uh, great to have you here. Just a little bit of introduction. Robin is a member of Calvary Church. She is a clinical psychologist, right? And she is also a professor now. Can we call you professor? Yes, I guess you can. Now. Yes, I love it. So she's also teaching at Biola, or is it Talbot specifically? Talbot specifically. Talbot yeah, School. Biola, yeah. yeah, Talbot School of Theology specifically. Now your professional name is Dr. Bettenhausen. Is yes. that right? <laughs> trying to make life difficult for myself. No, I know. It's great though. Um, uh, but so tell us, okay, so you're also the author of a book called The Relational Brain. We're here today. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. We're going to talk about just like how we as people can be growing people, healing people, all of that. But I think just like we always do, we'd like to be able to find out a little bit from you What's some of your Calvary origin story? How did you start off here at Calvary and how are you connected now? Yeah, it's a very spiritual reason. Um, <laughs> Calvary had an awesome volleyball league back when I was in high school. Yes, okay. It was super competitive, really fun. Was it beach volleyball, indoor volleyball? It was indoor in the okay. gym, the one okay. that we have here. So um, some of my friends from high school were playing in it and um, they needed another setter on the team. So... I showed up to play and had a really great time. And while I was playing, a lot of the people there went to church here. Okay. Were you already a believer or is this like you're uh, coming to know about the Lord at this point? Yeah, I was raised in a Christian home okay, okay. Um, at Calvary, the other Calvary that we always get mixed up in Calvary <laughs> Chapel yep, yep. Um, for many years. But um, yeah, so listening to them talk about church, I just thought it'd be fun to kind of try it. I went with them. That's and, awesome. Know, Sundays and... Okay, well, we haven't bonded over this yet, Robin. I was the setter for my high school volleyball team really? at San Clemente High School. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was too. You brought Christian. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so that's what brought you to Calvary. It is definitely not what brought me to Calvary because I was not that good that people were seeking me out. <laughs> but, but yeah, so then you started just coming and then uh, did you then meet Brian here? Well, yeah, since you asked, that probably <laughs> helped seal the deal because I ah. started going to the college group by that time. I think I was a senior in high school. Okay. So saw him leading worship, which he still does here. Yes. Thought he was pretty darn cute. And <laughs> Don't we all? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. So then that kind of sealed the deal, and then you've been here for a long time. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. years. We love having you here, and I know you've been just a great sort of resource to us, even when it comes to our lay counseling ministry and kind of consultant and helping, you know, make sure we're doing everything right. And <laughs> we appreciate that. So yeah, Jim does an awesome job. He really does. Jim does an incredible job. All right. So let's get right down to it. How many Calvary members are you currently treating? No, just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, nope. That was just a joke. I promise she does not tell us that kind of stuff. Um, although I've been told that it sometimes can feel like Calvary in the waiting room uh, of lots of different but people. But you didn't hear at that Sift. from me. No, no, no. I've heard that from <laughs> other people. Um, so, um, but yeah, so you do work though at a place called SIFT. Would you tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's the Center for Individual and Family Therapy. And it's a really great place to work. It's a Christian organization. So we hire 
therapists that profess to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and um, and have a desire to um, integrate that into their work and you know want to help people that desire to include God in their healing. Yes. Not everybody that comes to us uh, are believers, but okay. a good portion are. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's so important because I think, as, at least for me, and I think at Calvary, like we are big believers in what your expertise in their field of psychology can provide for people in their healing, but also like wouldn't want that ever to be absent from the work of God or the Holy Spirit and scriptural truth and, and oh, all of that. Sure, yeah. yeah, we've seen sort of historically in the church some kind of strong leanings away from psychology, right? You know, where they thought, oh, just put a Bible verse on it and you should be fine. But I think we've seen that maybe there's sometimes it's a little bit, we need a little bit more, right? Yeah, and I appreciate that Calvary has actually come a long way in being a lot friendlier to helping people yeah. in those respects. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So what are the main differences between, because I know we know of some different types of therapy or psychology or um, how, whatever the right terminology is for me, but uh, I know of marriage family therapists. I know you're a clinical psych- psychologist where you have a doctorate, right? And mm-hmm. so then there's also psychiatrists. Like what's, can you kind of explain all that realm for me? Yes. Unfortunately, this does confuse people. So the yeah. long and short is, um, so marriage family therapists are master's level. So they've done two years of post-college and they cover pretty much about anything depends on where they got trained um, they do a great job mm-hmm. have a lot of them that I refer to um, LPCCs are also in there that license um, professional clinical counselors okay and they um, are just like MFTs pretty much most of the other states use that term but California oh, okay. uses MFT now now my mom was something called an MFCC is that just MFT from 30 years ago? Yeah. Okay. Just okay. Reinvented it. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Updated the name. I don't know why. Okay. Marriage family child counselor, I think is what they called it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. marriage family therapist, maybe therapist like became a term that was a little more in vogue. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Shorter. Okay. Okay. So master's level there. Yeah. And so, um, then the doctoral level is a psychologist basically. Okay. So they have a few more years of school and do an internship and so forth. And, um, and then you have the psychiatrists are basically MDs. So right. people get psychologists and psychiatrists mixed up. Right. And MD is the one that will prescribe you the medication. Right. They usually don't do therapy. If they do, it's pretty expensive. <laughs> Their time right, is really right. expensive. But okay. Yeah. Okay. And so um, now how does that work then? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if everyone's interested, but like, so if you feel like someone needs um, medication, you kind of partner with a psychiatrist or something like that in exactly, some way? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we'll get a release so that we can talk okay. to each other. And I do that. There's one that's nearby here, a Christian psychiatrist, Dr. Tom Okamoto. Okay. So we often collaborate. Okay, cool. Okay. So that, that kind of helps. And then it helps even get in the realm of, okay, this is what you do. You're a psychologist and you've got that doctoral level training and, you know, you've helped. So we have people here at Calvary, it's kind of interesting because we think of it as like many levels, even more than just those three, because it's almost like we go to uh, a spiritual friend, to a discipler, to maybe a, a meet with a pastor. We have these um, people called in Stephen ministry that are kind of just a good mm-hmm. listener, essentially, yeah. almost a trained <laughs> listener, you know, yeah. and and then you've got our lay counselors and our inner healing prayer ministry. And then, you know, we've yeah. got you guys yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you when you start um, when you start paying for it. <laughs> so. But uh, anyway, it's like, how does somebody then sort of assess like, or there are all these things I could do. I could go talk to my pastor or I could go talk to a friend or 
when do I figure out like, how do I, do I need a, a marriage family therapist or do I need a psychologist, psychiatrist? How's that work? Yeah, that can be challenging, especially when people are trying a lot of different areas. Basically, um, you get referred to a professional when you're just stuck. So you've yeah. tried a lot of good things and they might be helpful to a certain point. And you find that you're just not able to fully benefit from those situations. Um, and that's what the professionals get called in for and yeah. often can help you get unstuck. Okay. Okay. So like what, like stuck, what, what does stuck look like you think for people, you know? Um, yeah, it means like you are in the midst of a hard time and struggling with something and trying to figure out what the Lord has for you in that. And so you might even go to your pastor or tell your small group mm-hmm. and it just keeps persisting and might even get a little worse. Yeah. So at that point where you're just feeling so frustrated, maybe you're starting to feel a little distant from God or, you know, you might even start developing depression or anxiety about it. Right. Then, you know, something's really not moving in the way it should be. Okay. Okay. So do you think they just should, like, do you think people should just call a place like SIFT and then kind of just, do you just like come and have a, uh, an initial assessment and then you guys kind of help them figure out where to go from there or, you know? Um, I always tell people to try to get a referral, you know, it's like, there's always going to be people that are good at what they do and some not as good. So fortunately, like pastor McCarty here, um, he has got a great heart. He loves to meet with people so you can chat with him and he'll help direct you in the right, whichever avenue works best for you or what he thinks is a good direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that's exactly, that's like something that Jim does is kind of just meets with people once and then helps, helps mm-hmm. them kind of assess what they, you know, what would be a good step for them. And maybe, I mean, people that have had some sort of significant trauma probably are already maybe some, like aware of some different roads that they could go down. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. okay. Um, all right. So you wrote a book. I did. Yes. <laughs> T- tell us like what your book's called and kind of what's the, what's it generally about? It's called The Relational Brain, and um, it's a longer story, but basically God helped me understand a little bit more about how to help people that are having pretty severe difficulties in relationships, um, either having some personality issues or the person their relationship is. And so it brings together some understanding of our upbringing and how the brain works and putting those pieces together in relationship with somebody really, um, I found has unlocked a lot of value in helping people move further along much faster than what my practice used to do. Okay. Okay. So the relational brain, and you're, you're talking about this, helping people like work on these broken relationships. Now you, in this book, you talk about, uh, kind of like this adult self and young self. Do you want to kind of explain <laughs> yeah. that a little bit? Cause I think it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that concept might not be super new to people, but we're tying yeah. it now to parts of our brain. So yep. I, you know, obviously God created us and he's very intentional in what he does. So mm-hmm. we now know that there's maybe generally speaking, two major players in the brain. Mm-hmm. So we have up in your forehead area, an area called the prefrontal cortex. Yep. That would be more like the adult part of us that when we need to problem solve something or think through something logically. Um, look at something from a more global perspective, that is the part of the brain that we're using. Okay. So when we say adult self, that's mm-hmm. almost like an easier to understand way of saying my prefrontal prefrontal yes. cortex. <laughs> yeah. Yes, which is not easy. Okay, so yeah, cool. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. 
Yeah, and so then the other uh, part the, in our limbic system, we have this amygdala that um, is known to hold emotion or emotional memory. So we all have those moments where usually the people are closer to us. They might say something that just we get a strong emotional reaction to it. Yeah, We kind of feel flooded with emotion or overwhelmed or unsure how to respond. That would be the amygdala part of us, which okay. I call the young self, and not because it's less important. I right. think they're both equally important. We just often feel kind of young in that space when we're right. Maybe like vulnerable. Is that like part of that too, or because it's young, or yeah, vulnerable and um, a little bit helpless. Like helpless, yeah. <laughs> like not knowing what to do. Right. We kind of react out of that instead of thoughtfully responding. Is that part of it? You know. Yeah. Like okay. um, when I work with couples and I educate them on this, you can see when they're fighting, they're not getting anywhere. It's because they're both fired up in their amygdala and they're very emotional and they're not thinking. Logically, they're just wanting to share with each other how they feel and it doesn't get anywhere. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's super interesting. All right. So you've got these, these two cells now let's, can we try and I'm trying to think what would be a good issue to think of as sort of a case study for us, you know, but like kind of just to be able to talk through somebody's, you know, maybe something that you've written about in here or that you've thought through, you know? Okay. Um, I think I know where you're going. So okay, okay. Um, just to help understand why these two parts of the brain are important, yeah, um, it has a lot to do with our upbringing, which is what we understand. Okay. So how that shapes our brain, basically. Okay. So um, in our upbringing, um, what we understand now is you can basically have a like, good enough parenting situation, okay. which is a parent that can respond to you emotionally. So if you're upset, they are able to move toward you when you're upset. They can use words to describe to you what you're feeling. They're often even in their facial expressions demonstrating to you, like mirroring back, oh, this is what's going on. Yeah. And that teaches the person to go, oh, you know, that's what that mm-hmm. feeling is. They, they're able to put a label on it. And then the parent also responds with some kind of nurturing or caretaking response. Again, all of that is stuff we don't automatically know. Right. We need to be taught yeah. by someone. Okay. So we can take that into adulthood and learn, oh, that's what this feeling is, and this is what I need to do to take care for myself. Okay. So that's the good enough situation. Good enough. Now, good enough <laughs> is a funny expression. I know, yeah. Because <laughs> you're not trying to say, like... There's no perfect parent. Per- yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, gotcha. All right, so the good enough parent, which we're all aspiring for good enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one time that that actually probably is okay. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so then there's the... Something other than good enough. Yes. So okay. um, the other ones we call more insecure attachment experiences. And if you want to learn more about this, you can Google um, attachment theory, basically. Okay. So the other ones would be like an experience of a parent who's maybe too emotional or too anxious, mm. one or both parents. So they care for you, but they're not consistent in it. Okay. So you get this good response, but you don't know, like, is today going to be a good day? You know? Okay. So with that lack of consistency, it's hard to learn how to identify okay. emotions and so forth. Okay. Now, is that also the sort of distant parent in that realm too? Or is that that inconsistency is part of that parent that maybe it's just like not there? Um, that would be actually a third type. A third type. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So some parents are overly emotional and then others mm-hmm. are way under you know okay. they just detach from their emotions for whatever their reason is in their upbringing yeah so you might grow up in a home where there wasn't emotional expression you just learn early on to not connect with that part of yourself basically yeah, yeah. and then the last category is you know if you grew up in a 
really difficult, uh, like abusive situation or a parent who had a severe mental illness. Okay. So in all three of those categories, the reason why we even look at those is the upbringing that was not good enough, so to speak, can actually have an effect on how well your brain communicates with itself. Okay. Between those, that young and, and adult self? Exactly, yeah. Okay. So oftentimes the adult doesn't, like, you don't know you're thinking this, but you hate the young part. Because it's associated with having a need that didn't get responded to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's usually an antagonistic relationship. When I first start working with people, they don't appreciate each part. Okay. Um, so does, how, does, how does that, can that manifest? Like, is it something of not liking themselves when they were younger or something about themselves now? You know, what is that? When you say that they don't like each other. Yeah. yeah, so it would look like um, when they have a need about something, say they're um, struggling with depression, um, yeah. but they really hate that they even have those feelings and yes. they want to just make them go away, which of course nobody wants to feel depressed, but what you need to do is actually pay attention. Like mm-hmm. we need to move toward it and find out why are you depressed? What's going on? What's missing? Okay. Embrace it a little bit to get better. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so then what then happens, let's say you've had this, one of one of these not good enough upbringings, and so now into adulthood and you are experiencing some of this, there's this, there's something happening in the brain where is it, like I, from what I've heard you say and reading now, I'm just trying to sort of very, very layman <laughs> trying to understand. You're doing a great job. Yeah, thank you. That actually there's these what you call neural, not you call, I mean, science calls <laughs> neural yeah, pathways. Yeah, it wasn't my discovery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but these neural pathways, right? So these are where, the, like how the brain is actually communicating with itself. They can get broken in some way or not growing or how's that work? Yeah, it's super fascinating that the way God made us is the, these neural pathways, which are neurons in the brain, are like the highways between the parts that help them talk to each other. Okay. So when you don't have a good enough upbringing, those pathways don't develop. So they're just really very minimal or sometimes it feels like not even there. Yeah. But, you know, before anybody gets too depressed over that, it's, there is really good news. The way that God set the system up is there's this idea of neuroplasticity or neurogenesis, which just means that what we spend our time thinking about or who we hang out with, adding good things in our life actually grows new neural networks. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. It's really beautiful. Because that's like saying, you know, we can grow a finger when it gets cut off. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But it actually like is that. real, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. amazing. Okay. So then how does, how, how do we regrow our neural pathways? You know, how, and, and is that, is that essentially the question of how do we heal? How do we grow? You know, how, or is that, or is that different? Um, no, I think it is along the same lines. Um, and I just, I'm thinking I'm going to mention if anybody is interested in studying a little bit more or looking into that neural pathway stuff, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, like a leaf on a tree. Okay. She has a lot of YouTube videos. You can look her up and she explains it really well and she's very interesting. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, also, the Relational yeah. Brain book is available in the Calvary Bookstore, yes. the Corner Bookstore, <laughs> <laughs> which you're not plugging, but I will plug for you. So yeah, look for it by Robin Bettenhausen. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, anyway, but keep going. So, okay, so that, watch yeah. these YouTube videos by Dr. Leaf. Yeah, she helps explain it. But in terms of practical stuff that you and I can do. Yeah. And this is what I love. Um, God is so gracious that mm. 
he, you know, we know that we can change things from our generation onward by the decisions we make. So um, I'm, I'm thinking about Luke 10, 27, too, where you know, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of moving parts in us that mm-hmm. we are trying the best we can you know, mm-hmm. to balance. Um, and even though we might have some challenges, and this is not even just emotional. So some people can have, you're born with physical limitations or you develop something in your life. So those, all those things can create problems for us in relating to other people or relating to ourselves. Okay. But having consistency in our life in terms of some good people around us, um, being involved with a group that feels supportive. I actually just came from a really great Christian, large conference of Christian counselors. Yeah. And I got to hear one of my favorite authors, Dr. Kurt Thompson, who wrote Anatomy of the Soul, which is another great book. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Highly recommend that. Um, He was sharing about this idea of just seeing beauty in people. Hmm. And I lo- it's not seeing them unrealistically. You know, it's not only looking at the good. Okay. It's this idea of recognizing how God's works are being revealed in somebody. Hmm. Okay. It's just an amazing way to look at somebody. No matter what hardship you're in, you want to have people around you that look at things that way. So they, hmm. they can sit with you when it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are also bringing that encouragement of... God is working. Mm-hmm. He is always working, no matter how bad it feels or how it looks. Hmm. He is present in some way, shape, or form, and sometimes he uses people in that capacity. Yeah, yeah, okay. So then that surrounding yourself with these kind of people that are essentially, I mean, encouraging people, godly pe- people that are pointing you towards God in some way, right? That's that's part of what can can help with this. Yeah, it, that affects your neural networks. Okay. Literally, like you sit around with people that think, look for where God is in something, that's going to affect the way you think. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so I have a theory that I have, was not thinking about talking about today, but I want to like <laughs> pose to you here. Now, I've been doing some studying on this whole passage of the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's something I talk about kind of a lot, but, um, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. It says, you know, that we're to, this is where like the word of God was read to the people of Israel and then, and then they are just weeping and they say, don't be grieved, you know, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And you think, okay, how can the joy of the Lord actually strengthen us? And like, what even is like godly joy, right? And all that, or the joy of God to, towards us that strengthen us. And I was doing this study and I found out that that word for joy is only used two times in the Bible, one in that verse and then one in this other verse, and then there's a normal different word for joy called simcha, but we're not going to get too Hebrew nerdy. I, I, I can get nerdy in my own way, okay? <laughs> but, yeah, sorry. <laughs> but this is its own, this is own like kind of different word for joy. It's only in two places. One is in that passage, and then one is in that one. You know when uh, the Ark of the Covenant comes into, uh, back into the city, back into the people of Israel, and David dances, yeah, and he yeah. kind of dances with just this linen ephod on, and they're celebrating and all this, and he writes a song after that. And in it, he says, like, for joy and strength are found in your presence about God. He says joy and strength. And he uses that same couplet of those two words, joy and strength. Mm-hmm. And it's that special word for joy. Joy and strength are found in your presence. So then I was thinking, like, well, the presence of God was right there in that ark, right? Like, that's what they were celebrating was that the joy of, and strength is found that. But now in the New Testament, 
this is getting longer than I expected, but I'm going to just keep going. But like, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but now like new Testament post post resurrection, right? You've got, and, and the Holy spirit coming now, the very presence of God dwells within us as people. And so really we bring the presence of God to one another. And that is how like the, the joy of the Lord, I think strengthens us is with one another. And I was like, whoa, then I'm thinking about the neural pathways, <laughs> Yeah, it's all connected. <laughs> you know, by, yeah, yeah, this encouragement and this got like just this, this moment here. So I just think it's really cool how that's connected scientifically, theologically, you know, and just experientially, you know. See, now your brain just made a neural pathway connection <laughs> between what you're studying and this yes. content. Oh, I feel it growing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Okay, so how else does this work? Like, especially if you're really like, you're really struggling, like you've had some sort of traumatic event or something's going on in your life and, or you're struggling with depression or something like that where you hope for this, but I'm guessing it's not just go make some good friends, right? Right, because um, there are a lot of people that that's a great idea, but they can't do it. They try. Right. They might even try to go to like a Celebrate Recovery or something, and it's just a challenge for them to trust people. Yeah. So um, a good majority of people that have had difficulty in their upbringing or challenges in their life, it's they can't do it that simply. So. Um, that oftentimes is where therapy does come in. And you, so you're just starting with one person okay. and it can be a struggle for a while. You know, I have people that I work with that it takes quite some time for them to even believe <laughs> that somebody's actually interested or present or noticing them. You actually have to learn, even as an adult, you can learn. But you, it takes time to learn how to receive somebody's care. Hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. not as easy as just having it available. Right. I could see that. And I could see that sometimes people that are really hurting or have had some issues, like they've become isolated over time too, right? Like I'm sometimes, not always, but yeah, you know. And, and that can even happen when you're with people. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. You know, you know, so you can look like you got people around you, but inside you, you're not letting anybody close to your heart. Yep. Yep. And even like, I'm sure we've all had that even seasonally in our lives yeah. too, right? If it's not, yeah, because I've, I've, I've felt that way at times and then at times I, I don't or at times I've yeah you just have people around you and you're just like <laughs> maybe you wish you could be alone <laughs> but no but that's one thing with this too I was thinking about was like how can we be that more of that good friend to someone you know I don't want to overly simplify it by saying good friend to someone but just you know that person that would help someone else's neural pathways grow you know yeah. how can we be that to someone else what do you think well, um, I don't know if other people are like me, but I think it's easier for all of us to notice what's not right. You know, yeah, like it's easy yeah. to, oh man, you know, what are they doing? Or yep. oh, that there's that, they're doing that thing again, you know, notice <laughs> yep. the negative basically. Yeah. And I, I'm just really appreciative that over time God has changed the way I think about things mm -hmm. where when we look at somebody and we can see that they might be struggling with something, but also being intentional about seeing what they could be, you know, like or praying about where's God taking this person. So you, in your mind, you have like a finish line in mind of where God is, might be taking them. And that affects the relationship that affects how we see people. Mm -hmm. And they feel that too. They feel yeah. like you're not just noticing my shortcoming, but you are encouraging me to be who God intended me to be. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. That's, you know, you know, those people that are like that to you, 
you know them. I'm sure yeah. everybody can think of those couple people that are like that. And then it's like, ah, I want to be more like that person. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and it's so hard because I think at some level, like all of us want to be that person, but maybe we're all not all wired in that way. <laughs> and so we have to work a little harder at it maybe. But, yeah. uh, yes, it's, I, I confess it's, it's a struggle for me. You know, I try to compliment, you know, I try to encourage and compliment and, and really see good in people, but I'm also this sort of maximizer type that's always wanting to like make it better, you know? And yeah, there's a good balance. I mean, we, we have to see truth too, Yeah. but that's the thing with God. Like he is this perfect balance of grace and truth. Yeah. And that's what we want to strive for. Like, yeah. It's interesting though, I was just reading this thing and I, I think there's maybe been some back and forth of this, but I was reading a couple months ago, the Harvard Business Review had some articles on um, feedback, receiving feedback from people, you know, and how, I mean, basically it was like this big, uh, you know, theological, or not, I'm sorry, not psychological study mm-hmm. into like <laughs> that critique was just never really helpful. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, it's hard for me to almost believe that at some level, you know, but, but you can see where it is. This encouragement is what's going to kind of build them. And when you think build them up, it really genuinely is building even their brain. Right. Yeah. There's something true about, I actually just taught on this in my oh, class okay. at Talbot two weeks ago. Um, I think the best indicator, and I know this is true in my life, when, when we need to be taught something, it's somebody who has something to share if they are hum- humble themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think about like my Bible study leader. Um, she is honest about when she just doesn't do something right mm-hmm. and then shares how she's worked through that. And mm-hmm. that is probably the number one thing that helps me because I don't feel like there's somebody up there that's acting better than me and, yes. and they're honest so I can relate to them like oh okay yeah I screw up like that too and yeah. um, and they give me encouragement that okay you know there's something I can do that's cool that's cool all right what am I missing so far in your book and your your research stuff have I have we you know or what would is there other stuff you'd want to cover with that um I think we had a lot of the main points without getting too bogged down in the details right <laughs> I think um I talked a little bit in the book, too, about how this affects couples, which is pretty big, or any relationship, really. So the thing that where people really get stuck is we're not aware when we are interacting from the adult part of us or the young part. Oh, yeah. So I just encourage anybody that might be listening to this and feels you can relate to that, ask the Holy Spirit to begin to show you which part you're <laughs> interacting from. Right. And he can reveal that. You can become aware when you feel like you're a little bit more logical thinking or you're a little bit more emotional. And just through that awareness, you have now connected both parts of the brain. Yep. And that trips up a lot of people. Yep. So chances are if people are struggling in some kind of relationship with someone, it's either you or they or both of you have some disconnect going in your brain and that's why you're not able to make progress. That's super interesting because I think actually we've, B and I've had this happen where I've realized, you know, we've been arguing about something and then all of a sudden you're still mad, but I can't even remember like what you're mad, what I'm mad about, you know? And is that almost my adult self was like interrupting my young self? Like, Hey dummy, like you're, yeah. <laughs> why are you mad? You're being ridiculous now. 
exactly. Oh yeah, I can relate to that. Yes, yes, yeah, that's that's yeah. good. And you've already dug yourself into a really deep hole that right, point, usually. <laughs> right, right, and that's hopefully the point that you can realize, like, okay, this is this means this is the time to apologize. Yes, <laughs> right? hopefully we get there. Yes, exactly. So um, that's good. Now you you just mentioned talking about like you you're talking about asking the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so I think that is kind of a natural lead in to a question I had for you about, because I know you're involved with some spiritual direction, doing some spiritual direction for people as well as therapy. And maybe you can even kind of talk a little bit about some of the difference, like the different way that w- relationship would look, you know, from the other. And then we can talk about more of the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, gosh, yes, I know. I feel like we could talk a whole thing just on that. Because yeah. the longer I live, the overlap between the spiritual world and what's going on with people's problems and the whole world of psychology, I think there just is a significant overlap. Yeah. Even to the point, just a little teaser, just that the Screw Tape Letters book. Yeah. You know, I think about that sometimes that I can imagine all the whoever's sitting around writing up all the psychological diagnoses that we have hmm. as ways of tripping up people and creating these problems. So whole nother topic, but yeah. there's definitely, um, in the world of spiritual direction, people typically focus on your relationship with God. So you're, it's like therapy with God, Okay. basically. So, which is really cool to be able to be honest about yep. how you feel toward him, have a place where someone is encouraging you and challenging you. Um, and I love that. I think it's really valuable. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other people that aren't even out of place to... Um, talk about God yet. They, they, that can be a believer too. Sure. They can have some significant pain going on in their life or issues they've tried to deal with. And they're, they might need that person with skin on Jesus providing somebody with skin on to be with them for a while until they're ready to deal with some of those God issues. Yeah, that's, that's good. So, so then what, so in that, and cause there are people who are just trained spiritual directors, that's like all they do is spiritual direction. They help people with that. Now, for you then, when you get into more of like your therapeutic environment where where you are, are meeting with someone um, as a psychologist, not as a director, but like what, how do you see like sort of the role of the Holy Spirit in what you do there? Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I believe that the Holy Spirit gets people into therapy Yeah. because all the hard things that happen to us or the things that we're stuck in that get our attention basically... My belief is that it's God's trying to do something good, but it usually takes something difficult to get our attention about mm-hmm. that. So in that, that's when we start praying a little bit more and you know trying to seek out help, hopefully. So I think Holy Spirit's involved in that, not because they, he's trying to make people miserable, obviously. Mm-hmm. He wants to help us. He wants to help us get unstuck or move forward. Right. And so he, he's a big instigator in getting people moving that direction um, for their good. And and then for me, the process of being a therapist in the room with somebody, Mm -hmm. um, I just think of myself as I'm the co-therapist to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And as much as he helps me remember while I'm talking with somebody, I will often pray in my head. um, Okay, Lord, are they ready to hear that idea? Or I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so right, tell me what's me. happening. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's just really exciting because he he just always responds in one form or another. Mm. 
Um, and so I, I just, my prayer is to continue to develop that. I mean, we have a major advantage. Yeah. This, this is the Holy Spirit. He knows people's hearts like better than they do. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have heard actually like more directors, spiritual directors talk about that sense of listening with the spirit to someone trying to hear from them and, and, and while asking the spirit to be speaking into your mind as the listener. Right. And I think it sounds like kind of what you're doing and that's cool to be able to incorporate that training into your practice of just how to, you know, how to be a good psychologist listener. Right. Yeah. It just depends on where the person's at. I might suggest that they ask the Holy Spirit if they're not, in a place where they can discuss God, then I'm praying it sure, for them. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Um, what, uh, like, have you, I know, because we also have, through Desiree Elrod's ministry here, we have a ministry we call Inner Healing Prayer Ministry, you know? Yeah, and, awesome. Yeah, um, and so I just don't know how you see kind of, it's, a, it's such an interesting continuum. This is why I think I asked, like, how do people know where to go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the silver bullet, right? You know, and then it's like, there's not, obviously. But um, I don't know. Have you, like, experienced that? And how do you kind of see that kind of play into some of the things that you do? Yeah, um, yeah I, I think that if somebody's ready to sit and just have a direct conversation with God, um, Desiree does a great job with that. Yeah. Um, and she and I love talking. We are so on like-minded. <laughs> she, she was at that conference with me. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so if they're ready for that, that's great. I know she also works with people that might not be ready, but yep. if they typically can't even sit and pray, which is the case with some believers, yeah. um, that's when therapy can be helpful. It's, you know, just a different avenue. Okay. Um, you know, so I... I keep that in mind when I'm working with people. Um, I think God has called me just from more of the clinical aspect, but right. that doesn't mean that I'm personally not completely involving the Holy Spirit in the process. Of course. And it's probably like for you, someone like you to think, or for any of us to think, it's like almost like another tool in the tool belt sort of right concept. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to oversimplify it, but it's, hey, as I'm as a pastor, as I'm meeting with someone, that's at least what I think about. Hey, as I'm meeting with you and I'm hearing you and I'm praying with you, and I'm, I'm hearing the stuff you're thinking about. It's like, okay, well, what would be not just, I know, I know just meeting with me for time after time after time is not going to be that helpful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's so, I know, I'm just I, I'm being a little bit joking there, but like at the same time, um, it actually really isn't if it's, if that's all that's happening. Cause I know that there's so many different people with like awesome gifts within the body, right? Whether that's a professional therapist or inner healing prayer, spiritual director, whatever. So it's cool to be able to have these like openness to these different sorts of things that, you know. Yeah. I I find that sometimes with people, I will, it's almost feel like a prescription. So when they're talking and Mm -hmm. because I've studied enough of the spiritual warfare things, I will recommend to them like a short prayer uh, that they can do where you're confessing something, removing entities oh, and yeah, inviting yeah. Jesus to be in control. Yeah. So I'll just kind of give them those steps and they go do that on their own. But there are some times when people have been involved in stuff where, you know, you know, there's a history of a cult or um, various, a lot of things, addictions and things that you've been involved in yeah. that it would hugely benefit to meet hmm. with someone like Desiree or mm-hmm. her team. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Okay. So what, um, what are you, te- you're teaching at Talbot School of Theology. That is where I went to seminary. That is, uh, Woo, yes, yeah. we love Talbot. <laughs> and I know you went to Rosemead for your schooling, which is Biola's psychology doctoral level school, right? Yes, and yeah. so, um, 
so at Talbot, what are you teaching all of these aspiring young ministers, <laughs> you know, and maybe not so young too, some yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah we've got a long uh, age range there. Yeah. Uh, they're um, studying, which is kind of cool now that they actually um, ask the pastors to participate in three levels of pastoral counseling courses. Okay. So I'm teaching the intermediate class, which is some basic skills like confrontation, okay. you know, kind of thing. Um, so it's really fun working with them, and they have great hearts to want to help people, and you know they'll be better prepared than they would have been otherwise. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's a great opportunity, I think, that you have to help kind of just shape, like help shape and, and equip, really, like the the church of now and the future. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. a cool way, to, I think, just to think about that. It's incredible opportunity. So we're so grateful to have you doing all of that and just the way that you're involved in our body here. Robin, just really grateful for you, your ministry, your insights. You've been a, you know, just kind of a, a great sage person to get some wise counsel from, you know, for me, even uh, here and there. And I know for our counseling ministry here. So really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Eric. Cool. All right. Well, everybody, you should check out The Relational Brain, A Path uh, to Heal Broken Relationships by Robin Bettenhausen. And uh, uh, just I think it would be awesome for people to kind of dig into this stuff a little bit more. And we do like, really wholeheartedly and unabashedly recommend SIFT, the Center for Individual and Family Therapy, um, where Robin is a supervising, you know, like therapist there and really is a, a big player there. And they're, I think, a partner in ministry to us is what we would think of SIFT as. And so grateful to that. So we just, again, we recommend and, and refer out to you guys a lot. So that's uh, you can find her there anywhere else. Like, are you putting other stuff out that people should look for? Um, I also have another book. Um, you do? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, it's Mental Health in the Church. Um, okay. So it it's covers a lot of different topics. So if you want to dig in more specifically, like on addiction or working with adolescents or personality disorders, um, it covers the gamut. And you okay. can find that on Amazon, too. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Mental health and the church? Or, mm -hmm. Okay. Mental yeah. health and the church. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. That's... Uh, another episode of the Calvary Life Podcast. Thank you, Eric. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Life Podcast. If you enjoyed our show this week, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Calvary Church or share any of your thoughts, check us out on our website at calvarylife.org or find us on one of our social media accounts. We're on Instagram at calvary underscore church, Facebook at Calvary Church of Santa Ana, and Twitter at Calvary Life. 